Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. Welcome to the Joshua Nations Inheritance Podcast. This past season has been very busy for my husband, Alex, and myself. Not only have we started a new missions initiative with eight organizations, but on June 9th, we received the official court order that we would become legal guardians of a little one-year-old boy named Elliot. And he is so cute. We are thrilled and overjoyed and feeling crazy all at the same time. You know, missions will change your life, but so will children. (laughs) Children will absolutely change your life. As we were preparing for Elliot to come into our lives, even before we met him, we realized that if we wanted to have a child in our home, we needed to make room for him to be there, right? Living as a married couple, with no kids for 13 years, we had complete free reign over our house, right? Every room in our house, we could do what we wanted. Alex had his own room that he went to, to watch sports and hang out. I had my own room. (laughs) But when we made the decision that we were going to move towards adoption, all of a sudden, we realized that we had to make room for a child. We had to let go of some things in our lives and in our rooms to make room for the future generation. And today I wanna talk to you about making room for the generations of leaders that are gonna come after you, right? Making room for the generations means that we're going to have to clear out some of our rooms, right? We're going to have to make space. We're going to have to give of our time and let go of some of our preferences. There is absolutely a cost to making room. And many of you probably know that. There is a cost to discipling the next generation of leaders, to working and walking hand in hand, there is an uncomfortableness that comes into play when we let the next generation take their place. I have a lot of Gen Zers on my team, meaning people in their early 20s, and they don't think like I do, Uh, which is amazing and frustrating all at the same time. The next generations, they don't do things the way that we would do them, right? They don't decorate like we would decorate. They don't wear the same clothes that we wear. They don't preach how we preach. They don't talk like we talk. Sometimes my interns say things and I'm like, I have no idea what that means. Like, are you speaking English? Like, I don't know. (laughs) They don't lead meetings how we lead meetings. 
And now they're coming into our space and leadership that we previously had free reign over. And that can be hard. But as leaders, we need to make room for the future generations. That's our role. That is what we want to attain to, is to make room for them. And making room of the next generation, it requires us to make disciples that are fully empowered with no limitations or man-made hoops to jump through. Jesus, he is the ultimate discipler, right? He is the ultimate picture of someone who is making room for the next generation of leaders. After he rose from the dead, he met his disciples. I can only imagine his disciples were like, yes, he's back. You know, we can do this thing. We can take the world. And then what happens? Jesus tells them, I'm going away again, right? I'm leaving. And they're probably like, what? Like, you just came back. Let's not do this. Let's spend some time. Let's go on a vacation together. But he's saying, no, I'm leaving. And now it is up to you to disciple the next generation. But don't worry. I've given you the Holy Spirit who has everything that you need. Our favorite missions verse, we all know this, right? Matthew 28, 18 through 19. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. From then until now and until Jesus comes back, that remains the same, right? To go and make disciples to go and make room. Jesus is saying what I have been doing for these past three years is now being passed on to you. The simple focus of the Great Commission, the command is to make disciples of all nations. Wherever we're at, whatever we're doing in ministry, whatever role we are in, the goal, the aim, right, is to make disciples and making room for the next generation of leaders requires us to make disciples because, get this, if we aren't making disciples, we will find that we have made all the room in the world. We've cleared out the room. We made a space. We have a position available. But if we haven't made disciples, there's not going to be anyone there to fill the room, right? If we made all the room in the world but haven't made disciples, there's going to be no one to fill the room. And how many of you know, I'm sure you do, that making disciples can be one of the craziest, frustrating, tiring 
rewarding and exciting things that you do. <laughs> and sometimes it can seem a bit vague or fuzzy on how do we actually make disciples. And this is what I'm learning. The pattern that I see in scripture, that I've read about, that I've sat under teaching about, that I've tried to understand, is that the discipling process is filled with you restore, you equip, you anoint, and you launch. In English, it's amazing. It spells real, like real discipleship. It probably doesn't translate to other languages, but you restore, you equip, you anoint, and you launch. Restore. What do we do? We restore people, right, to their relationship with God. We help bring them into healing and wholeness, equip. I train and I teach them what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be obedient to him, anoint I anoint them in their calling in the kingdom and launch. I send them out into reaching their world for Jesus, into making disciples. And it's interesting because if you look at the people that you're leading, at the leaders you're raising up, you'll probably see where they can fit into those categories. For some of the people that you're leading, they might be in the restore phase, right? You're bringing them into wholeness doing some inner healing that's going on in their life. Others, they might be in the equip phase where you're teaching and training them and they're starting to actually do things in the ministry. But wherever the people are at that we're leading, we want to make sure that we're facilitating and walking them from one phase to the next. And as we do that, we will find our rooms filled with the next generation of leaders. So I want to dive into those four things really quickly this morning. I mean, you can talk about making disciples for like a year plus. <laughs> so we're going to do this pretty fast. So the simple focus of making disciples, I want to talk about the first one is restore. In restoration, right, we work with people in either restoring their relationship with God saying yes to Jesus, or number two, being restored into wholeness. Evangelism is wrapped up in discipleship, right? To make a disciple means that someone who is not a follower of Christ is now a follower of Christ. <laughs> we don't save people. Jesus saves people. But God has chosen to use us to work through us to bring his good news to those who don't know Jesus. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Making disciples means we go and reach out to those who don't know him. My husband, Alex, says, I don't go around looking, waiting, and asking God for divine appointments. He says, I am the divine appointment for somebody today. There's a mental switch there. I'm not waiting for someone. I am the divine appointment to bring Jesus to them. We don't wait for them to come to us. We go to them. We go to our families, our communities, our neighborhoods, our workplaces. 
We go so that people can say yes to Jesus. The cost of making room is that it requires you to go. It requires us to seek and save the lost. A question I have for you is, are you intentional in your ministry to go or are you waiting for the lost and the next generation of leaders to come to you? We have a saying in the missions community, you've probably heard it. We say the resources are in the harvest. The greatest leader for your movement might not even be saved yet. That's crazy to think of, but they might not even be saved yet. We are Christ's harvest hands, right? Are you in the field harvesting or are you in the barn waiting for the harvest to walk its way into your door? To make disciples means that we need to be always working towards restoring people to Jesus. Another part of restoration, right, is helping them to be restored to wholeness, to find freedom, healing, and victory. So many times, many, many times, I think, wouldn't it be nice if someone who was ready to go for it, you know, experienced in ministry, seeing multiplication happen, you know, like a gold star minister, wouldn't it be nice if they would come and join our team? That would be amazing. <laughs> and there are a lot of people out there who are waiting for those shiny people to come in to their ministries or their churches to show up at their front door and say, here I am, I'm ready to go. I have everything figured out. <laughs> but all the while, as we are waiting and praying and hoping for that shiny person, the resources, the leaders, the things that we need for our ministry or our church might just be found sitting in our chairs, waiting to be called higher, waiting to be called out. If we wait for the shiny person, we might just be waiting forever and miss out on the abundance that God has for us that's right in front of us. The cost of making room is that it gets messy, right? Because restoration is part of discipleship. We don't wait for people to have it all together before we open up our lives to them, before we invest in them, before we make room for them. It is our job as leaders, right, to search out people around us and disciple them into their calling. Don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. If you are wondering where the next generation of leaders are for your ministry, my question to you is who are you discipling? Are you intentional in seeking people out to disciple? Who are you training? I work at Elam and we are a network of churches and ministry and missionaries. And every so often I'll get a phone call and someone will be say, hey, we're looking to transition our ministry that we've built over you know, the past 50 years. 
And it's this amazing ministry. Things are moving. They're seeing people saved. They have all sorts of programs. And they'll say, we're getting ready to transition. And then they'll ask me, do you have anyone who can take over the ministry? And I like pause. And in my head, what I want to say to them is, isn't that your job? Like, <laughs> Shouldn't you, aren't you the best person to disciple someone into the ministry that you have built? You know your ministry more than I do. I don't want to place an orphan into that ministry of leadership. I want a son or daughter to be placed in your ministry. And that only happens if you, as a mother or a father, have raised up a son or daughter. The simple focus of making disciples is to restore. And as we restore them, right, we begin to equip them. We begin to raise up sons and daughters who can do amazing things for Jesus. The simple focus is to restore and it's to equip. Whatever place someone is at in their relationship with God, whether they just got saved yesterday or have been saved five years, we equip them and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? To be obedient to him and in how to make disciples. In the commission Jesus gave us, right? He says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded. How many of you know that teaching obedience to something is different than just teaching something. It's very, very different. If you have children, you know the difference. I can teach Elliot, this is how, like, pick up your toys. You pick up a toy and you put it in a bin. But to get him to actually obey that teaching is a whole nother level of effort on my part. If I want my new intern at my work to understand the heart of missions, the values we have, how to walk with someone in their calling and missions, I have to do more than open up our handbook and our vision statements and tell them to read the documents, right? That's the starting place and the foundation, but I have to do more than teach. I have to show them what it actually looks like to lead people in their calling, to do a missions trip, to walk with people in their hard seasons, how to pray for the sick. So I have to teach them how to spend time with Jesus, how to obey. I have to show them. I have to do more than teach. I have to give them the tools to do it and process them along the way, right? The different emotions, feelings, and decisions they are making. The cost of making room is that it requires an investment of our time. Equipping is giving people the training, tools, and opportunities, right? To obey all that Jesus has commanded. Teaching obedience requires 
time. It's taking people with us as we go and minister so they are confident and competent to step out. I am very intentional about taking Gen Zers with me, 20-year-olds with me when I minister. I invite them into what I am doing. I get to see them step out. I get to coach them. I get to watch their eyes light up at the fact that someone would believe in them enough to invite them to come and minister. And I begin to model for them what it looks like to minister. I begin to kind of push them out and say, now you go and pray for this person. Now you go and give them a prophetic word. In equipping, we need to give people opportunities to put into practice what they are learning, to use the tools that they have in their belt. It may be easier, it would be easier, <laughs> if I would just do it myself. It would take less time, but in the long run, I have stunted their growth and I will be left with an empty room, no one to fill it. In giving people opportunities, we need to allow them to get some bumps and bruises along the way, right? We need to be okay if people make mistakes. Part of equipping is letting people make mistakes. And when they make mistakes, we help them get the lessons from them and move forward. The cost of making room is that we need to let go of control and allow people to make mistakes. Some of the most powerful lessons I have learned in ministry is when I have made mistakes, when everything didn't go as planned. It was when my leaders have trusted me and let me run with decisions, even if I didn't do things in the way that they would have done them. They made sure I still carried the same heart and value and message, but they let me do it in my own method. The method changes from generation to generation, but the message remains the same. The simple focus of making room is equipping them to say yes to Jesus, to obey what he is speaking to them. It isn't getting them to say yes to Jody, to me, but it's equipping them to read the word, hear from God, and be able to go out and do what he is saying to be able to make disciples. So that simple focus is that we restore, we equip, and then we anoint them. I love Acts 13. This is where the prophets and teachers came together and they anointed Barnabas and Paul and sent them out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as leaders, we need to publicly recognize the next generation's callings, giftings, and leadership. There's something that happens when you do it publicly, when you do it in front of people, when you call out the gold that you see in them. We anoint them and we say yes and amen to God's calling upon their lives. It isn't our calling, right? It's the Holy Spirit's calling, setting them apart. And as leaders, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. 
Pastor Chris and Pastor Carol Ball are people that have been that in my life. They have invited me into leadership. They have called me higher. They have covered for me when I have made mistakes. And like the apostles with Barnabas and Paul, they have said yes and amen to what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life and release me into what God is calling. We all need someone to come alongside us and say yes to what the Holy Spirit is anointing in our lives. In our leadership journeys, you can probably pinpoint a person or persons who came to you and said things like, you are a preacher. You have leadership written all over you. You are called to such and such a ministry. And it is those moments that have propelled us forward. And as leaders, we need to do the same with those we are discipling. It is powerful when we as leaders publicly recognize the call that is on their lives. And here's the kicker. (laughs) Here's the thing that is hard. As we anoint, we need to be okay if their anointing, their skills, and their gifts surpass ours. If you have discipled correctly, there comes a time when the people you have been leading will make the switch from looking to you for primary leadership and begin to look to them. And it takes a strong leader to let that transition happen. So now I've been discipling, raising this person up. I've made room for them. I've anointed them. And now the people I've been leading, my church, my congregation, now there comes a time where they're going to start to look to them for some leadership. And I have to be okay with that to let that transition happen in order to make room for the next generation. The cost of making room is that we let them stand on our shoulders. And as we're sending them out, raising them up, as we put them in leadership positions, we send them out, right? And the power of the Holy Spirit, we release them into reaching their world for Jesus, into being leaders, disciple makers. And then lastly, the simple focus of making disciples is to launch, right? I don't know if you noticed this, but the Great Commission is a multiplication verse, meaning as we're restoring and equipping people to obey all that Jesus has commanded, what happens? They find themselves at Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And they realize that this commission becomes their commission. You see, and it just kind of goes and goes and goes. Now it isn't just you going and making disciples, but now they are going and make disciples that go and make disciples that go and make disciples. That is God's plan for seeing his kingdom spread, for seeing his gospel go forth. That is how we reach every tribe, tongue, and nation. This is it. This is how from generation to generation, we continue to make rooms 
that are full of the next generation. And sometimes I can get hesitant in launching people out. I can see where they're lacking in some areas, not fully equipped. And I have a tendency to want to hold them back, right? To keep them close, to want to see them get to 100%. But if I do that, I realize I will never launch anyone out because we never get to perfection. We never have it all together. And I remember that I didn't have it all put together when I was launched out, when I started. And if we all look back at our own beginnings in ministry, we will most likely shake our heads and laugh at things we did or said. And I'm continually amazed at how Paul in the Bible would launch people out. He would go on his missionary journeys, right? He would raise up leaders and then he would leave. They weren't perfect. They didn't have it all together. The churches got a little messy. That's why we have some of those books of the Bible and got a little messy, but still he launched them out. And why could he launch them out? Why did he do that? Well, one, he trusted the Holy Spirit in them, but also he could launch them out because he wasn't launching out orphans, but sons and daughters. We don't launch orphans. We launch sons and daughters. We continue to walk with, to counsel, equip, and pour into their lives. But then we need to launch them out. The cost of making room is that there comes a point when we release the reins completely into their hands. When I came into this role that I'm currently in now, and my husband came into his role as missions director, um, there were people in our lives that had discipled us that had cheered for us, that had said, hey, we think you would be a good fit for this missions role. Um, Hey, we think you should take our place. And they placed us into the role. And we got there and we were so happy, so thrilled, excited. And so we started um, changing things up, right? We started changing how we recruit missionaries. We started changing Um, how we send out missionaries. And we saw this increase of of people coming to be sent out. And at the same time, as we were growing, as we're making these changes, some of the people who had discipled us, who said, this is a good fit for you, all of a sudden started becoming our biggest critics. We were looking for cheerleaders but instead we found critics and it was very, very hard. (laughs) We had to process through a lot of hurt where people who were our mothers and fathers in the faith who had discipled us, who, you know, said you should do this role. When we got in this role, when we started making changes that they didn't like, when we started doing things that, how they didn't do them when we started changing things that they had previously put into place. They became some of our harshest critics and it broke us. It 
was painful because we were trying to look for cheerleaders. We were looking for people who we could go to, to be like, hey, you're doing it. We know this is hard. You got this. These were our fathers and mothers and they turned into our critics. But then we had other fathers and mothers in our lives. I think I already mentioned them, Pastor Chris and Pastor Carol Ball. And they came alongside of us and they said, you can do it. You can do it. They helped us. They covered us. They counseled us. And we found our cheerleaders and it propelled us into tremendous growth where we're at now. See, the cost of making room for the next generation is that you need to release the reins into their hands and then you need to become their biggest cheerleaders, not their harshest critics. They're gonna do things different. They're gonna change things up, but become their biggest cheerleaders. Now for the young people out there on this call who are hearing me talk about launching out and getting all excited and saying, yeah, we're ready, launch us out. No, we aren't perfect, we can do it. My question to you is, are you a son or daughter? Before you try to take the world by storm, you need to become a son or daughter because it can go both ways. The sons or daughters, we can become critics instead of honoring those who go before. And we need to make sure that we are honoring the ones who have gone before. We need to make sure we are positioning ourselves as a son or a daughter, ready to receive counsel, to receive input, going to them for advice. So it works both ways. We need mothers and fathers, and we need sons and daughters. There's a sweet spot in launching people out. It's different for every person and every circumstances. But there comes a time where you need to launch them out. You need to let them fly. <laughs> because if we don't, we're going to keep them from reaching their full potential. We launch people out to make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples. And the simple focus of making disciples is restore, equip, anoint, and launch. Ever growing, ever increasing. Wherever you go. Whatever you do, the goal, the aim is to make disciples. And this is how we're going to see our rooms full of the next generation of leaders. But it comes with a cost, right? It requires us to go and find the next generation of leaders. The cost of making room is that it gets messy. It requires an investment of our time. It requires that we let go of control and allow people to make mistakes. And it requires that we let the next generation stand on our shoulders. And there comes a point where we need to release the reins completely into their hands. And so for all of us here today who are listening, I just want to encourage us to let's go and make room for the next generation of leaders. And so that's why I wanted to share with you all today to encourage you in um, to give you kind of just a refresher of like, okay, this is what it's about. This is, let's align ourselves anew and afresh to this. Um, as someone who is 
in the middle, I would say I have fathers and mothers and I have sons and daughters. I'm kind of balancing those, you know, I'm trying to be a good daughter and I'm trying to be a good mother at the same time reaching the generations. Um, I find myself in this a lot, doing these things a lot. Thank you for listening to the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast. We hope you are encouraged and challenged with today's message. For more information from Joshua Nations, visit our website, joshuanations.org.